Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. We are picking up um, with our second week of the new season, this um, Building the Family Altar. This is going to be one of the best years. This is going to be one of the best seasons for growth and maturity and learning and actually applying the things of God. And sometimes that growth stuff, you know, doesn't feel super comfortable because it means change. And we don't love that, but it's necessary, right? Because if we were super happy with where we've been, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even be seeking. So if we want to see God do something new in us, sometimes we need to develop and we need to grow and we need to change some stuff. And this is the season that God's called us into where we're actually beginning to apply very purposefully so that we can defend the gospel, so that it can move from one generation to the next, so that we can actually live in the light. And no matter how much the darkness is out there prevalent, we become that city on a hill, set apart and different. And there are many who then come to the light, who come to the place of safety, who come to the place of security, who come to the place of hope. But so often we have these, um, things, you know, where we just haven't, we haven't actually applied the word of God yet. Sometimes we, we, you know, haven't given much thought other than what we feel. And so to get into the really, I'm determining to do something, we are purposing in our household, we are purposing in our marriage, we're purposing in our family to be a certain kind of people, to be marked by God, to do things differently. It takes pausing and going, okay, what does that purpose look like? What do I have to include in that? What are, what are the elements of it? So last week we started talking about the building the family altar. And basically what's going to happen this year is we're going to pick out what I call specific stones. And so the stones are, if we're going to build something in our lives, if we're going to have something that is, and I'm not talking physically, right? We're talking about spiritually speaking. These are the non-negotiables. These are the things that we build our life around. These are our family values. These are my core realities. This is who God says that I am. This is who he says he is. This is what we believe in. It doesn't matter if nobody agrees with us. This is what his word it says. What are these things? What are the places that we go back to that these are the stones? These are the places that our foundation is built upon very specifically. And we pick through them. We don't just pick up, you know, how do we know that something's not just a doctrinal, um, you know, bent of some kind? How do we know this is not just, well, our denomination thinks this, blah, blah, blah. We have to determine to select the stones. It's not just what I feel. It's not just what I've encountered in the past. It's not just what, you know, the people around me think. It's not just what I grew up with. It's what I determine this is a value because God says it's a value. And so this is a core reality in my life. So we're going to pick through this and we're going to start today with the how to select the stones. And then as we go through the year, we're going to start talking about things like health and, and uh, holiness and financial um, provision and family love and care and the faithfulness of God and salvation and prayer and the core things that make us who we are. The stuff that makes us different than just a religion of the earth. We are people people of the living God. We, we, we aren't just in a club. We're not just part of something that makes us feel good. We have come into a different kingdom. And we have partnered with the king of the ages. We've partnered with the, the Lord of lords. We've become sons and daughters of God. And our lives on this earth should look like that. They should reflect that. They should, they should express his heart. And so we purposefully go through this. 
And so these stones, um, the example that we're using, last week we started with Joshua chapter 4. And Joshua chapter 4 verse 6 says, When your children ask in a time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? This is what you'll answer. And so he was talking about when they crossed over the Jordan and into the promised land, and they were supposed to take those stones from the middle of the river as they crossed over and set them up and create a space that their children would come and they would ask, well, what is that about? I think it's really interesting because if you had a pile of stones in your backyard, I don't know if anybody would care. So we're really not talking about real stones. We're talking about the figurative spiritual stones in their time though, because everything was a physical thing, right? If you were coming and you were repenting before God, you actually killed a lamb. You actually brought something and you sacrificed on an altar. Everything was very tangible, very outside, very physical. And now we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. New Testament, we come into Christ and, and he became, Jesus became that lamb once and for all that was slain. And so when we come and we ask forgiveness, it's just asking, we're not killing anything again. Praise God. I'm so much happier with being in ministry at a church now than I would have been back then, probably. Um, you know, this is good. We come and we just talk to God. So the stones, we're not saying, I do not expect to come to everybody's house after this year and there's a shrine in everybody's backyard. In fact, that would be weird and that would tell me we've missed the point. So please know, we're just talking spiritual stones. This is what we're getting into. But in Joshua's day... He said, when your children come and ask you what do these stones mean, it was because in their culture, every time God encountered people, they built an altar and they honored God. And so you see Abraham building altars and you see Isaac building altars and you see Jacob building altars and you see Moses and you see Joshua and you see everybody in between. And they have these moments where they encounter God and they pause and they build an altar in response to God in an act of worship, in an act of relationship. And so when you come across these altars and they all have names, right? These, these places where people would worship God, you can ask what's basically, what's the story behind this? Why do, you, why do you believe this? Why is this here? What, what happened in this place? We've all got them. We've all got these moments. We've all got these encounters with God that really, um, where we know if somebody you know, challenges us in a certain area of faith, we respond really quickly, no, that's not true. Or yes, I believe that. Why? because of a stone, because of a place of encounter with God that has become solid in our lives and we're willing to stake everything on it. But in lots of cases, we haven't actually applied it in a way that other people know it's there. And so I believe God is asking us to really take stock of what we know, why we know it, why we believe it, how we encountered it, what we're hanging on to, and expressing it, actually taking ownership of this. So the story goes, Joshua 4, 20 to 24, it says, And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
And so he's saying, when you, when you take these stones and you, they're built together and people start to ask, what does this mean? Your children begin to ask. It impacts not just you anymore, but it impacts your children. It impacts the next generation and it impacts the world around you. There starts to be questions that are asked. Right now, one of the major stones that I think we, we need to apply is peace. Straight up. The Prince of Peace has offered us and provided for us complete and utter peace, wholeness. There, there's nothing missing, nothing broken on the inside. It should be when everybody is swirling out there, the people of God are at peace. And that's notable. Why are you peaceful? Can we express it? Can we say, I'm actually at peace because God is the Prince of Peace and he is the God of all peace. He has offered me peace. He's provided for me peace. And I completely rest in him. I commit myself to him. And here's where I first learned that. And you go back and you tell the story. I remember having to make a decision. I was in turmoil. I was in upset. And yet God encountered me and, and I felt like he was asking me to just trust him as the Prince of peace. And so I chose to release it. Well, what, all, what about all the stuff that's going on in your life? Well, I cast my cares upon him purposefully and I choose to pick up his peace. And literally that's my story. For me, I, I sometimes, I can feel it. I can feel when I get home um, from whatever I've been out doing and I pull in the garage and there's, you, you park your car and there's that moment where it's like you can feel all the stuff still. Does anybody, you know what I mean? It's like you've just encountered so much assaulting of your mind and your senses and whatever, and you come home and it almost doesn't feel like home because you're still just like in shock about what all you just encountered. And so I, I have these moments now where along the way God taught me, I, and I remember just sitting and reading, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And I, I remember thinking consciously, my, my previous thoughts had been, well, if I just cast it, then like, I just, it's like saying it doesn't matter. Now, however God spoke it to me, how, when I read that verse now, I read it like, cast it on him, like you, it's not just like little handoff, it's like, I'm, I'm giving it to you, which means I'm not trying to take it back, and he will care for you. In other words, I can't handle it, so I'm giving it to him to handle. And I, on purpose, look at it as though I'm depositing it with him so that it's being handled. If I'm hanging on to it, then it's on me to handle it. But if I cast it on him, he's going to care for me. So I will, at times now, sit in the garage for extended periods of time casting stuff. You know, it's like, well, I'm not taking this into my house and I'm not taking that into my house and I don't want to be thinking about this all night and I need to release this person and I need to release this situation. And so I very purposefully cast that onto him so that I can stay in perfect peace because he will keep in perfect peace the one whose mind is stayed on him. So I have chosen to release all this stuff put my mind back on him. Sometimes I'll have to play a worship song or whatever to get in that space. Okay, I'm at perfect peace. Now, does that mean none of that stuff was important or that, you know, like I'm just neglecting things or I'm disregarding people or I don't care? No, I care enough to know he's better at handling it than I am. 
Because <laughs> clearly if I hauled it around all day, I did not solve the problem. So I'm counting on him to solve the problem, right? So this is one of my stones. We've all got these stones and maybe we don't think about it. Maybe people don't know what it is that you've got, what that revelation is. But the more we lay hold of it, the more it becomes this thing that your children will know and the peoples of the earth will know. So these are, these are our two goals. We need to dig into this, not just for our own stability. That's part of it but so that our children, the next generation will know and so that the world around us will know. So this generational legacy, it was built into God's system of communicating, passing on information. Um, I find it so interesting that all the, the major cultures of the earth, if you look back into the history, verbal dialogue, verbal passing on of the stories is built right in. It's built into songs. It's built into the stories. It's, we pass on who we are by telling our children the stories. And it's very purposeful. I think it's one of the distractions that the enemy has launched in this generation generation that, that, that um, we're so consumed with ourselves, we don't spend a lot of time talking to one another. We don't spend a lot of time talking to our children and our grandchildren. We can, I, I, I was sitting in a restaurant the other day and literally the, the, there were three out of four people at the table all on their phones. And I'm like, why are you even here? Like you should have just done takeout or whatever. If you weren't ready to be in the same room together, it's so odd to me. But I believe that there's been this bait where we keep ourselves to ourselves and we don't wanna, we don't wanna um, you know, put our opinions on other people or we don't wanna push ourselves on other people and whatever. And, and of course we shouldn't push ourselves on other people, but it's also been this little weapon that has silenced the truth of the kingdom. And so, because I don't wanna offend anybody, I don't say anything, but honestly, I think everybody's excited about a testimony of the goodness of God. I think everybody is happy to hear about a miracle about a breakthrough, about a place of safety and peace on the inside, about a hope that goes beyond all this craziness. You know, when people are spewing right now, like you look at the election polls, and I don't know, even know if we have a hope. I always have a hope. Give me a break. It is not dependent on the outcome tomorrow night. It's not. It's dependent on the one who's sitting on the throne at the end of the day, and he was today, and he will be the day after that, and he will be forever. So we have our, our wishes, and we, we have our wants, and we have our uh, senses of of what we think would be the ideal situation right now. But honestly, my hope is set on something that's immovable. That's a good spot to be. So we want to tell these stories. We want to begin to, on purpose, communicate what needs to be communicated. We need to say what the Word says. We need to tell the stories of Jesus. Psalm 145, 4 to 6 says, One generation shall praise your mighty works to another and declare your mighty acts. And I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. And men shall speak of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. So built right into this psalm is this understanding. I'm going to tell it. And, and, and one generation is going to tell it to the next generation. And then it says, men shall speak of your awesome acts. It's saying basically these two things. You tell, you put your stone in place and you tell the story and your children will know and the world around you will know. 
That's how it works. Why is everybody so screwed up? Why doesn't anybody know that God loves them? Why does everybody, you know, fight so hard for their own identity and their own place? Because the church has been silent. We've been so polite that we have muzzled the things of God and it's about time we got bold. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That has never changed. And so we have to step into that in the middle of the craziness. And I know everybody's going through it right now. I know that there's pretty much not a person, not a couple, not a family right now that isn't dealing with some major decisions about how to proceed in the weeks to come. Isn't it helpful to know that God is faithful and he never changes? Like in the middle of all, if nothing else, I have to make major decisions, there's a lot going on, to just be able to pause and say, but he is faithful. He does not change. He does not lie. He is my source. He is my hope. No matter what happens, no matter what the outcomes might be, you know, heaven and earth pass away, but his word never does. So I can hang on to that. That's a gift from God. And we can tell that to our children or they can overhear us panicking. And we can sow fear into their hearts and a seed of anxiety that will probably cripple their futures. We have a choice. We either tell the stories of Jesus or we let the enemy take the airwaves. We have a choice. So how do we select these stones? How do we decide what are the things we begin to tell? Not everything is applicable at all times and not everything is worth being the big issues of your life. How do we select the stones? And there's two major things that become a stone in your life, that become something that you can build your life around, that become the, the core thing. Obviously, the, the main thing is Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation. So the assumption is Christ is the foundation of it all. But then the pieces that we add on are based on two main things, your personal experience with God and the revealed truth. So just because the Bible is full of the nature of God, the things of the kingdom, the, the stuff that always was and always will be, doesn't mean that I all, we all know it, that I have a, an understanding of it, that I have it applied right now because it takes time and God walks us through the journey of life. We get to find more and more about what is the truth. It's the revealed truth. It's the place of that revelation that comes into my heart. And once I know it, I can't unknow it. There's certain things that for us are just absolutely non-negotiables. God's provision is one of them. Why? Because we were on the edge. We have been multiple times through our lives. And God always provides. And he reveals the truth. So the fact is, God is our provider. He is the source. He takes care of the lilies in the field and the birds in the air and the, the animals, you know, in the woods. It, the, the word tells us that he's got it all. But we sometimes have to come to the point where we have a revelation of it. We can see it. We, we see the word. And then we have an experience with it. So something connects with our heart on it where we go, I now have decided that this is truth and I'm hanging on to it. I'm banking on it. Uh, every person who is a consistent tither has come to this understanding. 
about God being our source. There, there's something comes where there is an, a revelation of truth about Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and it locks in, and you have a personal connection with it. And, and, and usually it comes along with, you know, you had no idea how you would ever give 10% to God, never give 10 How can we possibly pay the bills? And let, yet you're six months down, a year down, five years down, 10 years down, and you've always had enough. Something clicks in due to your experience that now nobody's gonna convince you otherwise. And instead, what you do is you begin to start teaching your kids. One of the reasons we've got the baskets at the front here for worship um, and for your tithes and offerings during worship is because our children don't have debit cards, but if they get allowances, they should learn to be giving to God. And I love watching the little kids come up with their quarters and putting them in and, and learning to give to God, being joyful. Uh, you know, that, that God loves a cheerful giver. You see that in kids that are dancing to the front to give their little bit and you see the joy that's on the inside of them. They don't have a budget. You know, they're not worried about paying the utility bills. They've got a simple, simple way of processing things. And to them, their hearts are responding and saying, it's so fun to give to God. And they want to do it. And we also have them here. We can give online. We can text to get all, you know, all the, the electronic things that we've shifted over to. But sometimes as an act of faith, as an act of sacrifice, as an act of worship, we want to tangibly be able to there's a there's a feeling and what happens in that moment is you're 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 highlighting your stone it's your stone it's something that you're hanging on to so this personal experience so i want to look at one guy who had a big journey with this jacob so jacob is obviously the father of the nation of israel right we know that there's Abraham, Isaac. Abraham received the promise. Um, Jacob was the one who actually his name was changed to Israel in the process that we're going to talk about today. And we see something very serious happen. We see a shift from somebody who's heard about God to somebody who encounters God to somebody who passes on God to the next generation. And it's built right in to this concept. So if you got your Bibles, which I know you do in some form, Genesis 28, you guys are really quiet this morning. Did you like spend it all on worship? Come on, be there with me today. <laughs> you can shout through the mass, come on. You can. All right, so Genesis 28 is the story. We know that uh, Jacob has this moment, the whole Jacob and Esau thing, um, where there's the, the birthright and the stew and the, the blessing that goes to the wrong place and all of that. Different story, but essentially what we've got is a guy whose name is, is uh, set apart in the annals of history as somebody who deceived his brother and his father for a blessing that he didn't deserve. There's a, there's a lot to that, but God put him exactly where he wanted him. So what ends up happening is Jacob is on the run. He's got he's to leave home. He's got to set out away from everything that he knows. There is so much stress. There is so much turmoil around his life. He doesn't really know who he is anymore. He doesn't know what he believes anymore. He's a walking, talking disappointment, and he knows it. And he's just at the end of himself. So we pick up the story at verse 10. And it's very interesting to just catch his kind of state of mind about this. And it says, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he's going to visit relatives that he, you know, didn't really have a lot of connection to. 
So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he laid down in the place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And then Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone. Catch this. He took the stone that he had put at his head and he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to the father's house in peace, my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So this is one of these really interesting passages because it's like this holy moment, but there's a whole lot of if in it. There's like an encounter followed by an if. Um, so you see Jacob say, okay, clearly God is in this place. I didn't realize that. But now that I know that, if God does this, if God does that, if he, whatever, then I will. So Jacob has come into this place where he's not, you know, he didn't like leave his father's house going, I just need an encounter with God. He stopped in that place because it got dark. Not super profound, right? He wasn't having a, he wasn't on some sort of a quest and fasting and seeking. He stumbled into the presence of God. He actually, in the midst of his brokenness, in the midst of everything else that was going on, he bumped into the presence of God. Some of us and some of our friends and some of our family that we're praying for right now, in the middle of everything is crazy right now. Some of them are just going to bump into the presence of God. Some of us are just going to bump into the presence of God. We, don't, we, we maybe don't know what we're seeking. We don't know what we're needing. But when we bump into it, we can see it. We find it. And we see that Jacob has this moment. So he bumps into the presence of God. And he, he decides that, okay, God was here. I didn't know it. So I acknowledge that God is here. In other words, I acknowledge that God is real. I acknowledge that he's present. I hear him. I'm going to mark this place. He names the place. This is Bethel, the house of God. I, I, I have accidentally tripped into God's house. Okay. I'm not sure what to do with that, but I'm going to mark it. And he sets up the, the stone that he'd been sleeping on. He'd been laying there 
accidentally bumped into the presence of God. So he takes that moment of an accidental encounter and he sets it up and it says he sets it up as a pillar and he anoints it with oil, which literally the translation means he set up a memorial stone. He set up a memorial stone. In other words, I'm gonna remember this place. I need to take this moment that I had that I don't fully understand and I'm not sure I completely believe, I'm not sure I completely trust yet, but I'm having an encounter and so I'm gonna set this up as a memorial stone at the very least so that, you know, should God bring me back to this place, I'll recognize it when I see it. I'll remember that, that God was in this place. Why does this matter? Because experience itself is not enough. We have to have a revelation of God. A feeling will not sustain you. I was at a conference and I felt something awesome and now I'm going back into my workplace and it feels like I walked into the gates of hell itself. That feeling is not gonna hold you. The feeling is a start. The feeling is an indicator to dig a little deeper. The feeling is that that encounter, that experience that he had was a start, but you see he's not established in it yet. He throws in all the ifs. Well, if God does, if, if he brings me back, if he sustains me, if he supplies me, then I will. So you see this crossover. Some of us have tried out the things of God based on a feeling or based on somebody else's feeling or somebody else's story, but we haven't locked into it. I'm telling us in this season, we have to know whom we have believed and be persuaded that he is able. It's not enough to have a feeling. I know it. it, it marriage is like this. Family is like this. You don't feel it all the time. You know it. It's, it is your absolute choice. It's covenant. And so Jacob's not there yet, but it's a really good start. And so what happens, you know, the, he marks this. He says, this is God's house. God is here. And then God says, go on your way. Go about the place that you're, you're, you're headed. And I'm going to be with you there. And I'm going to bless you. And for about 30 years, Jacob walks in the tangible blessings of God. There's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, you know, the, the whole, if you read the story, it's super weird about spotted goats and sheep and whatever and, and God providing and blessing. But you can tell God just keeps tossing him these, I'm real. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm here. I'm real. I'm with you. And you can see that it's there. And yet Jacob doesn't really lay hold of it. And you know it because he marries into this family um, and, and his wives and children end up having false idols in their home. They worship other gods. There's, there's this weird mixing that's going on and clearly he doesn't have a problem with it. Now let me meddle in your life. And mine for a minute. I'll be done in half an hour. <laughs> if the compromise is welcomed into your house, you haven't got a stone established. That's the truth. If you're okay with it being in your home, if you're okay with it being in, in your sphere, then you don't have a locked in reality on it. And so God is asking us to, we can't just say, well, I, I just, I expect better from people. What do you expect of yourself? Have you encountered God in this area and have you made a decision based on his word that this is a cornerstone, this is a piece in your life that is non-negotiable? So Jacob, you know, he had an encounter, he has an experience, he's with God. Um, 
But it's not getting any better. You know, he's in this place where his, his uh, father-in-law is a bit of a jerk. And, and a bit of a jerk is a bit of an understatement. He's really a tool. And so, um, you know, Jacob has to live with this. And he's trying to navigate. And he's trying to navigate God. And he's tra- trying to navigate two wives and multiple children and their handmaidens. It's got to be a bit of a weird life. Um, but in the midst of it, all of a sudden, there's this next level encounter. And so Genesis 31 If you flip over, you see his further experience. And it says that, you know, God begins to talk to him. Verse verse three, the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers, to your family, and I will be with you. But then specifically, he tells the story to his wife in verse 11. And he says, the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, here I am. See, he recognized the voice now because he met him before at Bethel. And he said, lift up your eyes now and see all the rams which are leap, leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, spotted gray, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Now, here we go. This is so good. Verse 13. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Isn't this awesome? So 30 years later, God's like, hey, um, Jacob, Remember, remember back there where you said, if I brought you back, you would serve me? Get up. It's time to go. Time to move. You know? And so he has this reminder. And, and what is he reminded of? He's reminded of the place where he had an encounter with God. I believe in this season where everything, I mean, I know none of us want to be going through the garbage we're going through right now. But honestly, in this season, God is reminding us of those moments. He's like, remember when I was faithful here? Remember when I spoke to you about that? Remember where I gave you an instruction here? Remember where we encountered one another in this place? And these things are starting to pop up into your memory. And I believe God is moving his people into position. See, Jacob was in the wrong spot. He was, he was, he had a window of time to try stuff out. He'd had a window of time, but God was like, now it's time for you to get your butt where I intended for it to be, for my purposes to be revealed in your life. Some of us in the midst of all the craziness that's going on, God is using this opportunity to send us where we need to be for his purposes to be revealed in our lives. And we got to get our heads out of it and our hearts engaged in the purpose. So right now we are in one of these 30 year later moments for, for a lot of us. And so Jacob does the thing. In fact, it's 30 years, which is longer than it should have been because on his way back, he detours and they end up having a really bad situation. Somebody rapes his daughters, his sons kill all the guys. It's really bad, messy in between. Um, I'm not gonna go into that right now, but suffice it to say, if you think you're gonna outthink God and take a detour, it won't go well. It's best just to obey the first time when at all possible. So that's just a freebie. But anyway, they end up in verse or in chapter 35. This is our super fun walk through the book of Genesis. But Genesis 35, we see something massive happen. So it says, for the second time, God's telling Jacob to get back to the right place because he took a detour. So starting at verse one, it says, then God said to Jacob, arise, and go to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So God is like, okay, seriously, 
Don't just go visit. You need to go there and you need to dwell there. You need to set up camp there. This needs to be your new reality. I'm telling you that now is the time for you to have such a change of focus that you, you absolutely are willing to pack up everything and live in me, to live with me, to be in that relationship with me. So it says in verse two, and Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, here we go. Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Wow. See, prior to this moment, he was totally okay for that junk to be in his house. He's totally fine with it. Do what you want to do. You know, whatever. I had an encounter with God back there somewhere. Doesn't mean a ton to me, but I, you know, I got it back. Now he's like, no, enough. We're not having any other gods in this family. Then he says in verse three, then let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So Jacob says, okay, we're moving there. I need you to all focus. We are, you know, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? It's in our logo. We're going there. This is who we are as a family. And I recognize, he says right here, I recognize that it was God who saved me there and who has been taking care of me all the way along. I'm choosing to recognize that it's not of my own resources. I didn't get myself into this good spot. God has been taking care of me and I choose to acknowledge him. You know, even in this moment, and again, people's work situations, finances, all of that stuff is at risk, you know, for a lot of people right now. Um, it is God who gives us the ability to make wealth. And it's not going to change today or tomorrow or next week. He's still the God who gives us the ability to make wealth. No matter what, he's still Jehovah Jireh. He's still your source. He's still your provider. And when we get baited into going, well, I've given 20 years of my life to this career. Or I've given five years into this business or I've done whatever. What we're saying is I made myself. I did it. I have earned it. I have, I have made something. No, God gave you the ability and he will give you the ability tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And it might even look like it's changing streams. It might look like there's some major decisions you have, but he's still the God who is gonna provide. He's still the God who's gonna make a way for you. He won't waste a thing. And so we need to have these moments like Jacob who says, I can see that it's God who's brought me through all this this time. I can see that this is the thing. So then it says in verse four, so they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands. Imagine that. All of them. Who knows how many there were? It wasn't even just like one. All the foreign gods which were in their hands and their earrings which are in their ears and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was in Shechem. In verse five, and they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. In other words, when as soon as Jacob said, there is going to be no other God but you, the protection of God landed on their family, and they began to just move forward without assault, without, without attack. There was a security that came from heaven because Jacob had said, he's our God. This is his, this is his saying this is his family, this is his life that I'm living and we're going after him. So God's protection lands on that. And then it says, so beautiful, verse seven, and he built an altar there 
and called the place El Bethel. And because, uh, sorry, because there God appeared to him when he had fled from the face of his brother. Now, here's what's really bizarre about this. It's not because God had been with him today even. He goes back to this place and he goes, I can see you rescued me right there. It's very much like what Jonathan said this morning um, when he said, I should have been dead. I, I was I was lost. I don't know how I got here, but God. Jacob's saying the same thing. He's like, I can see today that back then it was only you. It was all you. It was your, it was your saving power. It was your presence. And he says, he, he builds, see, he set up a memorial back there. But 30 years later, when he comes to this revelation of the truth, now he builds an altar. And the altar is the place that we lay our lives down. Our, the altar is the place that we worship from. The altar is the place that we sacrifice. It's the place where we come into relationship and commitment. It's the place where there is, there is a sharing, where we minister to the Lord and he ministers to us and we, we meet him in this place. So Jacob is past the point where he's just like, I can see that God's here. And he moves to the place that, and I'm here too. And he changes the name. He called the first place, he called the, the pillar Bethel. Now he calls this altar El Bethel. So the first place means God's house. And then the second name is God of the house. The first place is I accidentally bumped into the presence of God. The second place is he is God of the house. I am bumping into himself. I am bumping into his presence. I am choosing him. What's really interesting about that is specifically um, the word that's used for the house there is the authority of the house. So God, God has taken Jacob from the place where he says, I can see that God is in this place to saying God has the authority over this house. He brings his family together. He brings his wives there. He, he comes and he brings and builds this altar and he says, he is the God of this house. Amen. He is the God of this. See, that's a whole lot different than what do I believe because I think I want to believe it because it's convenient and I grew up in church and that's one of the things we always heard to know he is the God of this house and we will not fear and we will not be dismayed and we will not be destroyed because he's God of this house. It's a next level kind of connection. What is it that God is saying to you? What are the places where you need to lay that spiritual stone and say, we will not go back from here. He is God of this house. He is God of this house. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. So if he did it for Jacob, he's doing it for you. If he did it for David, he's doing it for you. If he did it for Peter and Paul and John, he'll do it for you. He is not dismayed by our current situations, but we have to decide to plant ourselves in his camp and be bold enough to say, this is the house of God. Nothing else is coming in. Some of us straight up need to do a house cleaning now. We need to go home and get rid of some of the garbage that has been allowed, allowed into our houses, physically speaking, into the airwaves, into the atmosphere, the words that have been spoken, the stuff that's been done. The enemy has been dancing in there and we're like, well, God's in this house. God's in this house. He needs to be God of your house. It's time. This is not legalism. This is freedom. Because on the other side of this, we see what God does. He blesses, he multiplies, he increases. So there's this change. Matthew Henry says, the comfort which the saints have in holy ordinances is not so much from Bethel, the house of God, as from El Bethel, the God of his house. 
The ordinances are but empty things if we don't meet God in them. This is the key. I believe God is lighting his people on fire through this. The altar serves a purpose. The altar is a place of ignition on the inside where his presence moves and dwells. When, when Bill Prankard uh, says in that video that he's going to you know, do the teaching school, the healing school, that is just to equip what's already on the inside of you. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have some magical thing he's going to deposit on you. The Holy Spirit of, the, of God is living in men and women on the earth in this hour. And so often we're so, we're so baited by the stuff around us that we forget that greater is he on the inside of me than he that is in the world. And it's time for us to realize it, recognize it, walk in it, live it. We have this. And so this is what happens to Jacob. Something shifts radically. And he has what we would call a, like a stone building encounter. There's something that, that, that changes on the inside of him. And we see the indicators, those foundational indicators. He has a revelation of the truth. He suddenly knows that not only is God real and I can accidentally bump into him, but he's real for me. And he's always been there. He has a revelation of the truth. But he also has that personal experience. And the part that we missed is the part where Jacob actually wrestles with God. He has to work it out. He's coming back to that place that he left years before. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta find out what's going on. I need to find out why. I need to find out what happened on the inside. I need to find out why it was so hard. I need to find out why everybody misaligned me. Why I need to find out why everybody accused me. I need to find out where I went so bad. I need to find out who you really are. If you're the God of Abraham and Isaac, who are you to me? And he wrestled. He wrestled it out. Some of us don't want to be disrespectful of God, so we don't want to ask the questions. He can handle it. And the harder we wrestle it, the more it's going to change the way we walk on the other side. Jacob left with a limp, <laughs> which isn't necessarily a bad thing. He left with a constant reminder with every step he took. He's God. He's God. He sees me. He knows me. He's God. He's God. I'm limping, but I know it, and it's worth it. It's worth the limp to know that he's God. It's worth the limp to walk in trust. It's worth the limp to know it's not on me to produce. It's worth the limp to know Jehovah. It's worth the limp to find out who God is. And he found out these key ingredients because in that process of wrestling, God changed Jacob's name which starts off meaning deceiver, and he changes it entirely to his purpose, to his calling. The key ingredients of one of these encounters, one of these um, stones being fashioned in our lives, is that we find out who God is, we find out who we are, and we find out what to expect. And those same three ingredients are there all the time. Who am I? Who is God? And what do I expect? These three items you will find in every principle of the word. You want to find out, you know, you, you look at the story of um, when Jesus is talking about the, the man who builds his house upon the sandy uh, land versus the rock. And, and in the, the principle of it, he introduces himself as the rock, right? 
God is the solid foundation. Who is God? He's the rock. Who am I? I'm the house that's built. What should I expect? The storms will come, but I'm going to stand. See, it's a principle. I can hang on to that. And so the things that are worth grabbing onto your life, they have these three ingredients. You can, you can pick any of them. You can read the story about the good shepherd. And what do we find out? Who is God? He's the shepherd. Who am I? I'm a sheep. What can I expect? He's going to lead me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to help me to lay down in green pastures. He's going to lead me by still waters. He's going to prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. This is what I can expect because of this encounter that he's the shepherd. What about the, the very principle that he's the provider? What does that mean? I find out when I encounter that stone, when I find out that aspect of, of the kingdom, I find out that he's the provider. I'm the dependent but his provision is as a father and I'm his child. So I don't have to beg for it, whine for it, plead for it. As his child, he will provide for me. And so my expectation is that there will always be enough and I can chill out. Yeah. That's, that's how that works. I, the, the teaching that he's the king of kings. Well, what does that mean? Lord, he's the king of kings. That means that I am part of his kingdom. So I, I, that revelation means that I know who he is. He's the king of kings. I know who I am. I'm part of his kingdom. I'm a son and daughter of the, the living God, the king of kings. And so I actually walk in authority. So I know that what I can expect is the authority of heaven to be behind me when I move forward. See, these things, they, they happen all the time. And so you see Jacob has this moment where he encounters the presence of God and things begin to shift for him. So then let's look at chapter 35, verse 10 to 12. And it says, and God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be my, your name. So he called his name Israel. And also God said to him, I am God Almighty. So you're catching this. Who's God? Who are you? What to expect? I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you. And to your descendants after you, I give this land. Who he is who you are, and what to expect. It comes on the other side of deciding to build that altar. It comes on the other side of deciding this is not just, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I have a belief, somebody sent me a scripture today, and so I'm gonna believe that because they believe that. What do you believe? What's the place, what's the stone that he's calling you back to? What's the moment of encounter? What's the place where you were reading in the word and something jumped out at you and you thought, I don't know about that. I haven't had that experience. Spend time with him on it. Because when those two things come together, when there's the revelation of the truth and the experience of the truth, suddenly we find out who he is, who we are, and what to expect. There's no confusion. We're not wondering what's gonna happen. We have an expected end. We know that when we lean into those things and we find out from him who he is, who we are, and what to expect, we can live in joy. We can live in peace. We can let people off the hook. We can forgive. We can love. We can be gracious. We can be kind because we know what's coming. 
When the turmoil is there, the word tells us that where there is confusion and, and selfish envy, every evil thing is present. And it's because it's coming from wisdom that is sensual and demonic. It's earthly. But the wisdom from heaven is peaceable. Let's stand together this morning. The fun thing about a message like this is everybody's going to hear totally different things because we've all got different places, different stones that God wants to establish in our life, different things that he wants to build the altar of our lives upon. And so whatever you heard, it's worth digging into. But this morning, I just want to pray over that stability. See, Jacob ran for a long time. He bumped into the goodness of God, but he couldn't, he couldn't quite trust it. He just... He wasn't ready to commit. And God knew that. So God was like, go ahead and I'll go with you and I'll make space for you. And I'm going to bring you back here. Some of us, I believe God is just, he's bringing you back here. He's brought you back to that place where it's time to lock into something. It's time to lock into a principle. It's time to lock into a plan. It's time to lock into what it is he said and who it is that he says he is. Who it is he says you are. The thing that caused Jacob to wrestle with God was that he was headed to meet his brother. He, 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 he was bumping into his past and he was bumping into a lot of unknowns and he was bumping into a lot of questions on the inside of himself and he just needed to know from God, who are you? Who am I? A lot of us have felt betrayed by the systems of this world in these last weeks. And we've wondered, what on earth? Like, it's like we fell asleep and woke up in an alternate universe. But God knew. And he determined your times and the exact boundaries of your dwelling places he determined that you should be here now so that you would reach for him, so that you would pursue him, so that you would be after him, so that in your household, you would become a beacon of hope for your neighborhood, for your families, that you would become a place of light, you would become a house of refuge, that when people encounter the presence of God in you, they would find life. And so this morning, Lord, we come before you and we want these stones of commitment to be established in our lives, Lord. And we're all in different places, God. Some of them are about relationship with you. Some of them are about health. Some of them are about finance. Some of them are about hope or peace, about fear. Some of them are about salvation. Some of them are about eternity and, and, and end times. Whatever it is, God, we're, we're in these places where it's time to establish. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. And God, today, I just pray a release, a breaking off of any spirit of confusion, any, any attack, any turmoil of the mind, any uh, compromise, God, that has been... been um, absorbed into people's thinking patterns just from sheerly being in the atmosphere around us, God. And right now we ask for an access fully into the mind of Christ. You say we have it, but God, we choose it today. We want to think 
like you think. We want to see like you see. We want to hear what you hear. We want to live in the place of your wisdom. And God, I pray for everyone who's been struggling, everyone who's been running, everyone who's been feeling like there's just nowhere to hide. God, today I pray that there would be a stability that happens, God. That you would call us back to that place of the stone, that place where it's God's house. And Lord, you would become God of the house. You would become God of the house over our finances. You would become God of the house over our, our workplaces. You would become God of the house over our careers, over our mental health, over our physical health, God, over our relationships, our marriages, our children, our grandchildren, God. You would become God of the house in those areas. Lord, I thank you for giving courage and confidence to be able to start ejecting the stuff out of our lives that doesn't belong there. The places of compromise, the places, Lord, of, of of um, allowing the things of this world to blend in the false gods that need to be kicked out God and Lord I thank you for courage for men and women Lord to stand in their households and say as for me and my house we will serve the Lord God I thank you for changing things the stability of your people in this hour Lord and we do thank you that you change not that you fail not God that every good and perfect gift comes from you Lord that you do truly take every uh, every Every situation and you can work it together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes and so God we thank you that even this moment in history you can work it together for good that you are on the throne you are not in dismay you are not surprised you are not holding your breath to see what happens tomorrow night you already know and so God today I thank you for families that align themselves with you Lord may we be steadfast secure built on you Lord as the chief cornerstone and we thank you for that revelation in our hearts today. I thank you, Lord, for healthy conversations in our houses uh, throughout this week, Lord, that we'd be able to talk through what needs to be talked through, that we'd be able to establish what needs to be established, and ultimately, Lord, that we would establish you as God of the house. And we thank you for it today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.